Let's go. Welcome to the Loans on Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We, we, we give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, aka Longform Luke, and this is the Loans on Demand podcast. I hope you're ready for the Loans on Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on real estate agents and put loan officers in the driver's seat. And today, I'm super excited because we have Travis Chappelle. I'm just kidding. Travis Chappell. Uh, He's a door-to-door salesman, turned founder, investor, speaker, and podcaster. He's a founder of and CEO of Gastio.com. Man, he's he's done a lot of things. He's interviewed people like uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Rob Dyrdek, Grant Cardone, Josh Peck, Molly Blue, man, all kinds of people. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let you take it away, man. I'm excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Luke, what's up, dude? Thanks so much for having me. Awesome, man. Tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, man. Tell us, kind of give you a little bit of a background for people that uh, you know, maybe don't know who you are and, uh, you know. Tell us why uh, why you're so special, man. <laughs> well, that's going to be a really short story. If <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I uh, uh, I'm I mean that that's why I always tell people, man. I'm just I'm just a door to door guy turned podcaster turned founder. It's just like nothing really special about me. I just I grew up uh, grew up in a really religious environment, uh, kind of almost culty, a uh, little little culty. Uh, I call it a bubble. So I went to kindergarten on the same campus that I graduated high school and college from. So from the time that I was four till the time I was 21, I was like in this same world, almost seven days a week, obviously, because that was where I went to church on Sunday. We had soul winning on Saturday. We had school Monday through Friday, all my sporting events, my fine arts competitions, everything was all there. And I, by the time I graduated college, I realized I didn't want to be in ministry, but I was getting a double major in Bible and church ministry. So I graduated with a degree that was completely useless, uh, not just because it was a Bible degree, but it was also an unaccredited Bible degree, which when you couple those two, it's like, well, what do you doing with that. It's essentially right. worth, it's it's worth about the same amount as the paper that it's printed on. And so I uh, didn't really know what to do at that point, but I got married before I graduated college. So I'm married, I bought a house, so I have a mortgage to pay. And now I don't know what I want to do with my life, which is a unique situation to be in in your early twenties. Cause most people in their early twenties don't know what they want to do with their life, but like they have time to figure it out and they just kind of like sleep on their mom's couch or a friend's couch and they're a barista for a while. And they, you know what I mean? Like they piggyback off other people, they end up at the club and it's just like, you just kind of like wander throughout your twenties. And by the way, I don't think really there's anything wrong with that, but I just didn't have the luxury because I, I, you know, grew up really fast and, and I had bills to pay at a mortgage at a wife. And so I uh, did the only thing I knew how to do at the time, which was door to door sales. Cause I did that in college and I was pretty good at it. And uh, I figured, Hey, it's probably better to do this thing that allows me a potential for a six figure income rather than like taking some desk job for 30 K a year, working for some person I don't want to work for that. I like don't respect that tells me what to do. I got to show up all the time. They like, it just sounded like a nightmare. So I did, I did it at door to door for Man, uh, several awesome. years. And uh, the first year, full-time door to door, my hit my goal, which was six figures. And I, at the time was like, I felt like I was balling until I looked at my bank account and was like, where, where did my money go? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, right. start, you started realizing like six figures is not as much as you think it is uh, until you, you make it the first time. And uh, and then also the, the counterintuitive part that I discovered was that I was not stoked about continuing to do door to door. Cause it was, I realized how transient the money was. It was like, well, I can make six figures this year, but I got to go make six figures next year, which means I got to go knock the same amount of doors the year after I got to go knock the same amount of doors. And you fast forward 10, 15 years in the future, I got to go knock the same amount of doors. And, uh, I didn't like the prospect of that. So I 
quit pretty much cold turkey because door to door is like 100% commission. Door to door sales is not something that you can just show up and half ass and collect a paycheck. Like right. If it was a regular job, you could do that because that's how jobs are. You get right. your paycheck by showing up and like putting in the work and like roll. You can roll your eyes all day long. You could stand at the water cooler for an hour and a half, but at the end of the day, you still get your check. Yeah. That's not how 100% commission sales works. So I just quit because I didn't think I would be able to like bite the bullet and keep doing it. So what, what were you uh, that, selling? What were you selling for the door to door? Just if you don't mind me asking. Yeah, I started in college. I was starting in solar and I did a little okay. bit after college. And then uh, the the first thing that I made six figures with though was uh, alarms, door to door alarms. Mm, nice. Cool. And so, yeah, at that point, at that point, I was even more lost than I was originally, Bram. Because it's like, I mean, the thing that I was qualified to do that my degree said that I could do, I didn't want to do that. And now the only thing, the only other thing that I had any sort of skill set in that I was decent at. I also didn't want to do that. And the unfortunate part was realizing that it wasn't directly translating into another skill set, which now in retrospect, I can see is just a just just poor management because I was applying for these other like more corporate type sales jobs and nobody would hire me because I didn't have the relevant the relevant experience or enough sales or whatever. And I was just like, I look back, I look now at those like managers that were interviewing me. I was like, you guys are dumb. <laughs> like dumb. I was like dumb. a 22, 23 year old kid that was hungry, ambitious, and I pulled six figures knocking doors with zero zero leads fed to me from the company. Like, what do you think I could have done if you would have empowered me and like given me a, but anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. But, but the the problem was at the time is I didn't know any of that. I just thought like, Oh, I must not like, this must not be a a viable career path to start in hundred percent commission (laughs) or and move into corporate sales because nobody would, nobody's going to hire me. And so at that point I was like, dude, I don't know what to do. I, I felt like a 15 year old going through career day or something. Like I, I I was literally looking up FBI applications, like looking at the fire department, like what do I do with my life? You know? And I had no idea. The problem was again, I had a mortgage to pay. I had bills to pay. I had a wife. So luckily she went back to work. We were in on this real estate investment that, that ended up pretty well. So I cashed out a little bit on that. And for like eight months, I basically didn't work. I got my health back in order because when I was doing door to door, I let it slip a little bit. So I started prioritizing the gym. I started prioritizing my personal development for the first time in my life, started reading some books, listening to audiobooks, And that's when I kind of tripped upon podcasts and thought that it was a really cool medium. I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed consuming content through podcasting and thought it'd be cool to, to create one of these. And so, uh, so that's what I did. Started, started a podcast. That was around the same time uh, that I actually got my mortgage license. Uh, my dad was in real estate. My uncle was a lender. Um, and I, you know, being, being a sales guy, I was like, Oh, you know, the hundred percent commission thing. I know, I know that game. I know that hustle, but at least in this one, I can like do it from an air conditioned room with a phone instead of like being out on doors in 110 degrees in Southern California, you know? Um, so I, uh, I got, actually got my mortgage license, but by the time I got my mortgage license, what ended up happening was I decided I want to do stuff online. Cause I was like, I'm a, I'm a millennial, you know, I got to learn how to do this online marketing thing, this online mm-hmm. sales game. Um, and so I knew something that I don't want to do online. And then a buddy of mine started knocking doors for water purification machines. And the commissions on those were higher than the commissions I was going to be making as an entry-level like loan officer. And uh, so I was like, I'd rather just do that in the meantime, while I'm building up this you know thing on this podcasting thing on the side, even though I had no idea I was going to make money off of it. And so I started just going back on doors and selling water purification machines. And then on the side, I started my podcast. And after about a year, year and a half of doing the podcast, I was able to start moving into that full-time. Um, and uh, 
people started going really well. People started asking me questions about it. And that's when I started doing podcast coaching, podcast consulting, mastermind groups, mm-hmm. info products, courses, all about helping entrepreneurs build profitable podcasts. And then through all of those case studies and client work and students, the recurring problems kept coming up over and over again, which was how do I get good guests on my show? And how do I get booked on other shows for the promotion of my own show or my offers or books or whatever? And sure. so that's how that's how Guestio, the software company was born. And now we've been working that for, for a couple of years. Nice, man. What, uh, what year did you start your podcast? Uh, 2017. Okay. 2017. Okay. August of 2017. Nice. So actually coming up on five years was crazy. That's, that's super dope, man. I got laid off. I got laid off from my corporate job in January of 2017, which, which kind of, uh, led to my whole entrepreneurial career as well. Right. So it's interesting though, you know, that, that you kind of fell into the marketing or online space for right around the same time I did. Right. And then yeah. obviously we took different paths. I got my license as well. And then, uh, you know, kind yeah. of fell into marketing, right. Because I, I didn't really love the, the loan space as much. I mean, it, to be an active originator is, is tough and people don't show you how to do things. It's like, I, I went to a spot that I thought was like the best, right? The, the max amount commission. So you talked about an entry-level LO. I went to a spot that was like willing to pay me as much as possible, but didn't give me any support. So I had no idea yeah. how to take a take an online it's application. Always, I didn't know how to it's do It's always the line. Right. Yeah. It's always the line is like, it's like how much commission do I want versus how much support do I want? So like, it was funny. It was funny. Cause like, I was always the guy that wanted more commission, but when I went into the mortgage world, I actually was, was going to work with this company called uh, movement mortgage. Sure. And they were like, super all about systems and support and training and all that stuff. And so their, their commissions were, were crap. And that's what ultimately made me go into the water stuff. Cause I was like, I mean, I can work on a loan for like 12 weeks and, uh, and make like two grand, or I can work on this water machine for a night and make three grand. I think I'll just do this water thing. Cause, cause I knew yeah. I didn't want to do, be do whatever it was. I knew I wouldn't be doing it long-term. You know what I mean? So right, um, right, right. Well, mortgages are, the, mortgages are a great way to make off. money, but yeah, exactly. I was just like, I'm not, I don't want to be mortgage officer forever. It was just like a way for me to be able to fund my, you know, my goal my, of, of the online business thing. So, yeah, um, love that. yeah, I, I switched. Love that. Love that, man. And that's, that's crazy, man. You got into the hustle real quick. And it's funny that you, you talked about your religious background. I was a missionary kid born and raised in uh, South America. So I, I totally feel no like you on, on uh, growing up super, super hyper religious and, you know, uh, in that sort of world and nothing against it. But, you know, again, it's sure. just, uh, like you said, I mean, you know, I was kind of, I almost got pushed into, into doing something like a Bible degree. And I was like, I, I just don't know what I'm going to do with that. Um, yeah. so I ended up with a business admin, which is just as worthless, but, um, <laughs> hey, it is what it is. So anyway, I, I'd like to kind of transition a little bit into into kind of like what what you do or, or what, how do you think that you know podcasting? It sounds like podcasting has really elevated uh, you know kind of you and your brand um, to get access to to high level people, things like that. And I I know yeah. I was kind of you know talking a little bit about that before that, but but talk about how a loan officer could potentially leverage something like a podcast to elevate their brand to to show up in a different way. Holy dude, I, I love this question um, because. I have, I have a, like I said, I have a heart for the real estate industry because it's what I grew up in. I, I think that in any field where the barrier to entry is low, but the potential for reward is high, there's an oversaturation of people. Sure. That's in real estate agents, mortgage, uh, uh, mortgage or loan originators, loan officers, uh, MLMs, uh, like anything where like, oh, you could make a million dollars a year and you don't have to go to four years of schooling to be able to do it. You can knock out a certification or an online course and be qualified in two months. Anytime there's that, there's a lot of people in there. And so your job then becomes about how to differentiate your offering in the marketplace. And one of the best ways to do that is to become somebody 
that other people are wanting to connect with. And, uh, and so having a podcast is a really fantastic way to set yourself apart from everybody else. And like, look, look, you don't have to start a podcast about like mortgage rates. You know what I'm saying? Like do it about whatever you want to do it about, but start one and craft it in a way that allows you to brand yourself so that people have a desire to work with you, not a desire to get a loan. There's a difference between those two things. You know what I'm saying? Like one of them is just like, is just like, oh, I need a loan. So let me go find a loan officer. The other one's like, oh, I heard this guy. I listened to his stuff. He's super funny or he's super great or, or she, you know, provides really great content or value or whatever. And so whenever, whenever I'm ready to do a loan, it's going to be with her. It's going to be with him because this is the way that I'm thinking about it. And so um, it's a really, really great way to set up your brand in a way that allows you to differentiate yourself from, you know, everybody's cousin, uncle, mom, dad, grandma, whatever, that's a loan officer. Um, And so here's exactly what I would do if I were a, a loan officer. I would start a podcast and I would interview all of the top people that I wanted to be partners with in my business. Like identify who, not just who's your ideal client, but what who's your ideal partner, who's your ideal source. Um, because some loan officers might be like, oh, I'd rather connect directly with the consumer because they have control of the transaction. Or some loan officers might be like, oh, I'd rather nurture the relationship with real estate agents because they have a volume of transactions and it'll keep me busy if I have a few really good relationships with, with real estate agents. Whatever it is, get clear on who that is and then go find excuses to bring those people on your podcast to build the relationship. It's all like mortgages are all about relationships. Assuming your fulfillment is tight, right? Obviously, right, like right. If, you're, if you're not good at what you do, it doesn't matter how many relationships you are, you're not going to continue to get referral business. Um, so like assuming that that part's buttoned up, dialed in, um, then uh, then yeah, I, I would be like, I would be avid about, about batching three to five interviews every single week. Every single week, I would be interviewing three to five like top producing realtors in my area or in other in other areas where I can service or I'm licensed in. Um, and I would be I would just be all about how many conversations can I bring. If you fast forward over the course of two or three years, especially if you're just getting started, look how many people you can talk to in that period of time. And you're not going to get all of them, and you're not even going to bring them on and pitch them. Like, in fact, I would recommend you don't pitch them. It's just the beginning of a relationship. Like. Before this interview, Luke and I knew nothing about each other. After this interview, we have started the makings of a relationship and we have, we're, we're having a conversation right now. So like over the course of our time together, we're going to find those commonalities like, oh, you were a missionary kid. That's crazy. You know, like, oh yeah, I grew up in ministry. Then I I was going to be in ministry myself. Oh, we both got a mortgage license that we didn't use. There's certain things that you're going to find through with, through connecting and having conversations with people that are going to be foundations of relationship that continue to build over time. And then eventually they might be like, Hey, you know, the, the LO that I'm working with right now, they're just super swamped. You mind if I send you this one deal? And then you get, you get a deal, a little crack in the dam. And then all of a sudden, like you take really great care of that client. And then they have another deal. They have another two or three deals. Um, and then you become their number one referral partner, or, you know, they're a great lead gen source for you. Like find an excuse to have conversations and connect with the people that you want to be doing with doing business with the most. And the cool thing about podcasting is that if you're a beginner, a loan officer, it's going to be difficult for you to like have lunch with the top producing realtor in your area because they clearly know that there's some sort of hidden agenda that you're there to get business from them. And they probably already have three lenders that they've been working with for two decades, right? But will they say yes to a podcast interview? Almost guaranteed, yes. Almost 100% guaranteed. The only way that it wouldn't be that way is if they happen to be like 
the Josh Altman type real estate person where they're actually like in, like they're an influencer and they're famous outside of their yeah, like local right. market. Right. But like most like top producing realtors, they're flatter. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're like, Oh shoot, this person wants me on their podcast. How cool is that? Yeah. Let, let, let's do it. I'm not really even sure what that means, but I'll, I'll be there. That sounds cool. You know? Right. And you have conversations like you have 15, 20, 25 conversations like that every single month. And you look at that, what that does over the course of a year, it's like, Oh, I had 250 conversations with high quality realtors in my area. How does that not translate into more business for you? You know, and that's just the entry point of the relationship. And then maybe once a quarter or once every six months or once a year, you host a dinner, you invite all of the realtors you had conversations with on the podcast to that dinner, and you fly in some top producing realtor to speak to all those realtors about how to be better realtors. And now you're adding value to that entire group of people who all have business to give to you, all from the standpoint of connection, relationship, and adding value. That's exactly what I would do if I were a loan officer. This is dope, man. If you're uh, if you're listening to this, take notes because uh, you know, and and I, and I think the other thing that so many people probably overthink is having something overproduced, things like that, right? Like obviously, you know, if you're watching this on video or if you're listening to this, you know, uh, both of our sound systems are great. You know, we have we have great sound coming out, and videos are great, all that kind of stuff. But like, I think you don't have to overcomplicate that too, right? I mean, you could just start, you know, pretty pretty simple with a regular Zoom, you know, sort yep. of a thing, and just go with that, right? I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be crazy. Yeah, I had a sixty dollar mic for my first three to four hundred interviews that I did. Sixty bucks on Amazon. Um, uh, I'm not sure that this model exists anymore, but you can. There's, I know the second one exists, and it's like ninety nine bucks. Um, it's Audio Technica ATR twenty one hundred is what it's called. Um, and I have I it in my now, cabinet back here. Yeah, I have perfect. the exact same one in my cabinet. I think it is $99 right now. Yeah. So the ATR2 2100, you can buy on Amazon right now for like 99 bucks. Um, there's a Samson Q2U that's like 70 bucks. Same thing. You can like buy something because you don't want to be the podcaster who has zoom quality audio, like right. buy something, but it can be a $50 mic. You don't have like, I have a roadcaster pro sitting next to me. It's a $600 mixer. You don't need that. Buy a $60 mic that plugs by USB directly into your computer and boom, you got a professional podcasting setup. You know what I mean? Like you do not, it does not take much to get started. Um, all it is, is the action part that people have trouble with. Right. And I think so many times people make, you know, all the excuses in the world. Right. And it's really just getting started that has to, has to happen. Right. So taking those actions consistently, that's been one of the things for me, even, you know, I started the podcast and did probably about, you know, 15 episodes and kind of fell off and then like, all right, I need to figure out something. So I, I put systems in place to, to go out and book, book people for me because I was like, you know what, like I'm great as soon as I get on these things, but like just doing the, the actions to, to get people booked. So whether that be, I think you could, you know, probably hire some sort of a VA or an assistant, something like that, even to book people for you. Um, it doesn't got to be crazy. Obviously, if you're just starting out, you're probably going to want to do the work yourself, um, you know, because you have more time than money. Um, but once you start to get more money, then it's like, hey, you know what, pay someone, you know, uh, I don't know what it, what it costs to, to book, but you can always find a VA, someone out know, of the Philippines that can shoot emails for you, someone out of Mexico, out of, you know, you can outsource it. There's a lot of different ways that you can do things for a lot cheaper than you think. You know, you don't have to, right. you don't have to pay some crazy, you know, professional, podcast association or some podcast group that's going to, you know, charge you a whole bunch of money um, to, to do that. And so I think that's cool. And obviously, you know, uh, you, you've created Guestio, uh, which is uh, uh, something of, of that sort, right? I mean, this is some, some way that people can actually book uh, high quality people, right? So let's talk a little bit about that. Like what, what does that sort of do in terms of, you know, the marketplace? And is, is this even something that would apply to, to the, the, the market that we're talking about here? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's basically what you just mentioned, uh, except there's no uh, VA attached to it. You still have to go sure. in and do the pitches, but it's a bunch of people that have said like, Hey, I want to be booked on podcasts. And they go in there and they put their profile in, you can read through their bio, look at their social media links, like look at everything from a holistic perspective and say, do I want to interview this person? If the answer is yes, then you can send them a pitch and then you can communicate in Guestio, you book in Guestio, everything's taken care of. It's 97 bucks a month. You can send out 50 pitches a month for 97 bucks and easily fill up an entire guest lineup uh, without knowing anybody or having any sort of previous or prior connections. And you can get in contact with some really great uh, people that are on there, um, really great influencers, uh, really well-known people, people who have eight, nine, 10 figure businesses, seven figure businesses. Um, there's a lot of really, really great people on there that you can go to interview either for free or for small amounts, five bucks, a hundred bucks, 300 bucks, 50 bucks. Um, there's a, a bunch of different people that you can go on there, search through the profiles in the marketplace, and then book them directly onto your show uh, with a, with a, with just a couple of actions inside of the, inside of the software. Uh, but like, I would way rather see, like if you have a marketing budget for the year of $10,000, I'd way rather see you start a podcast and interview all of your ideal referral partners with that $10,000, then go buy two billboards in town or something right. like that. Right. right. Like it's such a better use of funds. Um, and so, you know, if you're starting your own show, then hire a VA to produce the show for you, 300, 500 bucks a month, something like that. And then use the other amount of that to go book some amazing guests for the show. Um, or to throw your, your dinner event that I was talking about, like, those types of like deep connections with the people that have the most potential to bring business to you. Um, if you can find a way to add value to those people, then you're not going to go broke in this business. Man, I love that. I think there's uh, something to be said about just having uh, conversations with people because it's something that we we talk about all the time, you know, and even on this show, we've talked about it in the way you show up on social media. And it's interesting that you brought this up for podcasts. It's the same thing, right? People do business with people that are similar to them that have, that you're able to kind of build that know, like, and trust with. And so you can do that on social media, but obviously face-to-face or, or, you know, over something like this, you kind of build a little bit, even more of an intimate relationship or more of a right. sort of beyond the surface level. Um, and so that's uh, that's an interesting thing. And I think the other thing you touched on as well is, you know, you've been able to interview a lot of these sort of bigger people and things like that. And, and part of it is because you have a podcast, right? And it, it's the same thing with me. Like I even had uh, Todd Duncan on a couple of weeks ago, who's you know a legend in this space. And I was connected by someone else. It just so happened that because I have a show, I was able to get connected to someone that's, you know, kind of been in the space for a long time that, you know, maybe may or may not have, you know, wanted to have a conversation with me anyway. So it's, it's kind of an interesting, um, kind of an interesting sort of proposition that, that you have some leverage that, uh, you know, without something like a podcast, you know, again, totally. like you said, most of these guys are used to just getting pitched by loan officers every single Monday, right? 40 loan officers calling them on Monday or uh, sorry, loan officers calling 40 realtors on Mondays. Um, you know, what if you could stand out? And, and that's what this, you know, this show is all about, right? It's all about finding ways that you can stand out, you can be different, you can show up different, you can show up with different types of value. So just to call a spade a spade, I mean, you know, loan officers and real estate agents are, you know, are a pretty egotistical bunch, right? And so if you can stroke someone's ego, uh, they're going to love you, right? Show them that yeah. you have something that can, and then, and then they can actually use that content too. They can put this content out to their own, um, you know, not necessarily, maybe not the whole entire podcast. Maybe they could share your podcast, but they, you know, they can put out some of the content that they talked about. And that's, yeah. you know, you've almost built them a little content machine for a little bit. Totally. Um, and I yeah. don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Cause I just kind of spitballed off the top of my head. And I thought that was a great idea as well. Yeah, dude. I mean, like that's one of the big, that's one of the big things, big reasons we, we like people to push it because like at the end of the day, most people want something very, very similar. Um, it's usually a play for status 
um, or uh, acceptance or something like that. And and if you're a marketer, you know that those are kind of like some of the core needs that that people that people have, right? They right. Uh, that like everything is fueled by those things. Whether status plays itself out as money or something different, it's like somebody uh, recently was like talking about um, I forget who it was maybe it was Russell Brunson. Um, but it was somebody talking about how like their, their, their spouse said something like, well, I'm not really driven by status or whatever, you know, cause I saw that you know, post. Like, I, I don't remember I, what it was. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, yeah I, cause like, I didn't want to drive, you know, uh, uh, like I would never drive a Lamborghini or something like that or whatever. And, but, but she drove a minivan and it was, and then he kind of asked some probing questions around why, you know, drive a minivan and eventually came back to social status. It came back to the status in her social circle because her social circle is a bunch of other moms who are driving their kids to sports and like, they all have minivans and they all, so like, it wasn't a play on status. Like you would think of traditionally because it's not driving a McLaren or a Lamborghini, but it was still a play to social status in her particular social circles that had to do with like how good of a mom she was or how present she was or, or her ability to uh, handle the workload of her kids. Um, and so uh, most things are about status. And so when, especially, especially in these like high commission, um, uh, kind of high performance driven industries like mortgages or real estate, if you can take somebody and you can help boost status and increase, um, the, uh, their, the, their, their perception People are all about that. That's what I'm saying. Like, you'll be surprised at the people that say yes to an interview on your podcast versus the people who are like, like if you're cold calling realtors on a Monday to try to generate new business, they, you got to think, man, like it's just when you, when you start really thinking about it, it starts becoming like almost like common sense to you where you're just like, wait a second. If I, if everybody's trained to do the same thing, then the pitch is going to be the same. The realtors getting like the same messaging, they're getting the same copy, they're getting the same scripts from 50 different people. How do I do it differently? And in a way that adds value to the person I'm connecting with and not in a way that just appears like I want to pitch them and, and, and uh, grab their time. And that's right. why I say like, you should not be pitching them on the interview. The interview is just set up, like it's just a foot in the door to the relationship. And that's why I encourage people to have some sort of a follow-up, like a, like an event that you throw or a dinner that you throw for like the top people that you connect with on your show. And like, you're like, wait, do I have to pay for that? Yeah. Pay for it. Like, think about, I think like what, what's your lifetime value of a good referral partner in your business? You know, like how much money is that going to bring you over the course of the next 12, 24, 36 months? A lot more right. than a dinner. Right. You know, like stop being so scarcity minded with those types of things and understand that it's going to eventually lead to business, even if you never have like a clear call to action. And because this is like the dichotomy, right? Because in these high performance sales environments, like I was in when I was doing door to door and like, I know real estate agents and mortgage officers uh, or loan officers are kind of thrown into, it's like this hardcore closing mentality where yep. they're just like, they're like, I'm, I'm a shark and like, I got to close and I got to close, 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 close. And it's like, look, I understand there's a place for that, but not in your like professional relationships, that's how you end up being like the state farm insurance guy showing up to all the business networking, you know, uh, mixers. But you got right. like the problem with that, with that theory is like, you got to do that next year and you got to do that the year after. And you got to do that the year after, because that's not a way to build and cultivate genuine real relationships and connections with people. That's a way to transact and transactions don't last over a long period of time. Relationships do. And right. so 
stop getting out of like, well, what's my 100% direct ROI on this? And, and, and if I'm not closing them on the interview, then it's not worth my time to bring them on the interview to begin with. Or if I'm not closing at the dinner, if I'm not pitching or presenting at the dinner, then there's no reason for me to waste money on the dinner. And it's like, no, 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 you're not getting it. If, if, you're, if you're only thinking about the next six months, then maybe that makes sense to you. But if you're only ever thinking about the next six months in 10 years from now, you're only going to be able to think about the next six months as well. The goal is to be able to think about the next 10 years, right? Like that's the long-term goal. And if you're in this game for the long-term, then you have to start thinking more relationally and stop thinking transactionally. Man, that's that's huge. It's, it's something we talk about all the time is like so many times loan officers do find themselves in this transactionally minded thing. And so they they do end up on this, you know, this, this endless treadmill of, well, when am I going to get my next deal instead of, hey, I have 24 months worth of people in my pipeline that if yeah. I just continue to stay in touch with them, I'm always going to have deals coming in the door, right? Whether that be referral partners, whether that be leads, whether that be something like that. But again, thinking about this as a long-term game uh, is the only way really to build a sustainable long-term game, unless you want to continue to, to, like you said, hustle every single day, which, you know, unfortunately is is kind of the status quo in this space as well, right? Is totally. It's the MO. You know, yeah. It's like, you know, I grind all the time. You know, I, I answer the phone all the time. I'm, I work 12, 14 hour days. I mean, I've seen over the last couple of days, I've seen a couple of different posts, a little bit joking, but there's one, one post of guys like literally in, I think like the Bahamas, like, and, and the person posted like, Oh, my hubby's over here, you know, taking mortgage apps in the middle of the ocean. Like literally he's on his phone taking a mortgage app. Another guy was like at the hospital, like, you know, taking a mortgage app. And I'm like, do you, is that really what you want? Like, why are we glorifying right. uh, the, the, the wholesale culture? Like, why don't we turn this into like a real business and a real sustainable way to, to build it? Which is again, why this, this whole show was created. Cause like, you know, so many times loan officers, you know, they, they have their hands on, they're like, I, you know, they're give me a low, you know, can I help your next borrower? Can I help your next borrower? Can I help your next borrower? And right. it's like, well, yeah. I mean, if you show me that you're a, a legitimate person and, and we could build that yeah. relationship, but again, yeah, you and so 78 many- other people. Yeah. Right. And every, and that's, and you talked about this too. I mean, it's a commodity at the end of the day, like rates are rates, right? So like the one thing right. that really truly separates for the most part, yeah, you can have things, you can bring them leads, you can bring them these things. But it's, it's funny that you mentioned earlier, like if your backend is, is dialed in, you can bring all these other things, but that's what we say as well. Like you have to be a good loan officer first. Like if you're dropping the ball, you're not communicating, all of those things don't matter. Like un- until you have that dialed in, but if that is, if that's dialed in, great. Then you can start to work on these other things. Then you can say, hey, you know what? How do we build more relationships at scale? Uh, and that's really kind of what this is, is, is a way to build relationships at scale without having to be, you know, like you said, door to door. You don't have to be face to face, belly to belly. You could just do this online um, and you can network across. I mean, as loan officers, you don't have to be face to face like real estate agents typically do. So as loan officers, you can, you can, you know, get licensed in 50 states and do these across 50 states if you want to. I know that's right. getting a little broad and ambitious there, but hey, maybe you are licensed in a lot of states, or maybe you're just licensed in one state and you can go across your entire state and build relationships across your entire state. So people across right. the whole state are referring you business instead of being this hyper-localized person that's like, oh, I got to do business in this 30 mile radius because that's all the people that I know. But right. you don't need to do that. I mean, we're in 2022. <laughs> like right. we're in a, in the technology age and that's it's huge. So like how yeah, do you stay, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, I mean or you can just I mean stay in a region, you know, like oh, I'm in the Southwest and I all I right. do Southern California, Arizona, Nevada. You know what I mean? It's like okay, there's a lot of business going around in like yep. there like more than you can handle. 
you'll have to build a team to handle the business, even just in your local markets. So like, it's just a matter of taking the action to go do it, you know, because like, like create your hit list. Most people won't even do like, like if, if I ask people, Hey, who's your ideal client? They'll give me some sort of vague description about, well, it's a, you know, 45 to 55 year old person who is looking to upgrade their lifestyle. And it's like, uh, yeah, you and every other loan officer, right? Right. right. Like, who is your ideal client? Name them, make a hit list, do research in the markets that you're working in. And like, look at your local MLS and see who the top realtors are. Go to the freaking, you know, awards for your local area's uh, real estate, uh, real, top real estate people, make a list of actual names and then start reaching out to those people without you like you don't even have to even mention the fact that you're a loan officer at first. Just be like, yeah, I have this podcast where I interview realtors about the housing market, or I interview realtors about how to sell better or whatever. You know what I mean? Like the point is you interview realtors and you're a top performing realtor. I'd love to bring you on the show sometime. Again, if you made a list of 300 people and you cold emailed all of them, you would be surprised if they see the email, you would be surprised how many people are just going to be like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That sounds cool. When? Yeah, let's do it. You know, like, and you can do the interview on zoom, just like Luke and I are talking right now. You know, like, it's just, it's just a matter of, are you willing to try something that's a little unconventional that is not 100% guaranteed to bring you business tomorrow? Right. That's the big right. deal. That That's like the biggest disconnect that I found. Cause I've, I don't know how many realtors or, or loan officers I've told this exact strategy to, and they never, ever, ever do it. And it blows my mind. We've had, we've had one guy that came through our podcast training program. Uh, that was a, 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 a realtor. Yeah. Yeah. He's a realtor. And then he referred a loan, a loan guide. So a loan guy is actually going through our coaching program right now. And, uh, and I think that he's going to do really well with it. Uh, but this, this realtor came through and he's been crushing it. Just from the relationships that he's been able to build, like the people, the the foots, the, the foot in the door that he's been able to have with people that would normally never give him time of day. And that's the big deal here is that these, these people are busy. And if they see that you're a loan officer and you're reaching out with a similar pitch or you're sending them a Cutco knife or whatever it is, like whatever everybody else is doing, all they're going to do is go, oh yeah, another one of these. You know what right. I mean? Like you have to come across it with just like this mentality of, Hey, I'm just here to learn. Hey, I just think that you're awesome. I'd love to have a conversation with you on a show sometime. And you do the conversation, you don't pitch them. And like that first conversation when you can let them know like, Oh yeah, I'm a loan officer over in, you know, whatever, whatever market. And, you know, we work a lot with these types of people. Um, but, uh, but anyway, you know, that's not what we're here for right now. Like right now we just want to focus on doing an interview. Um, we're going to talk about this, 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 and this, and then you have a great interview. You edify them, you make them feel good about themselves. Um, and then you, if you have a team, you can take that interview, cut it up into a bunch of social media content clips, send it over to them. Not only does it, uh, add value to them because they don't have to worry about producing content that week. They can just post what you sent them, but it also mm -hmm. helps you increase your audience and helps you increase your status. Cause they're sharing the thing that they created with you to their people, to their audience, to their list of data. Um, so like there, there's just so many reasons to do it. It blows my mind, dude, that like that note that people aren't taking advantage of the opportunity that's there. Yeah. There's very few uh, select few people in the mortgage industry that have podcasts, um, yeah. even even just in, in general, right? And so the other the other thing that I was thinking about as you're talking about realtors is there's other angles as well. There's there's uh, divorce attorneys, there's uh, 
financial planners, like who, who sure. has the sort of, I mean, you're just talking about this, like it doesn't have to be the, the typical, you know, again, status quo is realtors. Um, and that's generally yeah. where a lot of people come from, but think about, you know, financial planners have access to, to people's funds. They know when people need to refinance, they know when people need cash out, they know all of those things, you know what I mean? And so there's a, a lot of, uh, other, other industries that you can go after as well. Like, all right, who has, and I love it, man. Who has, who has the sort of person that you want to work with? Yeah, um, who maybe has my deal clients and where are they? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you work with veterans. So how do you get in with people that have connections with veterans? Uh, right. Maybe you work with healthcare professionals. You get in with people that, you know, that are, that are, are dealing with healthcare professionals. There's just a, there's a, I feel like there's an endless uh, list of people that you can talk to. And the other thing too, with interviewing people is like, you don't have to come up with crazy topics. I think that's the other thing too. And one thing, that, one thing that held me back from starting a podcast for so long was well, what do I talk about on this podcast? So sure. finally I was like, I'm just going to start interviewing people because I know. So what if someone did want to do like their own podcast? Do you have any suggestions on if they want to do that? Like, is there topics that you would stick to is, you know, what's, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. I would say, just don't worry about the audience at first. Just worry about the interviews, worry about the people that you're connecting with. Don't worry about how many downloads you have. If the show's growing, like that stuff will come with time and consistency. At first, it's just about the relationships in your network, especially if, if you're a loan officer, because that's literally the name of the game. Um, right. So don't don't worry about any of that. If you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to provide good content, whatever. Don't worry. Prep beforehand, write out a bunch of questions, get on an interview and ask them the questions. That's the cool thing is like when I first started, I started a show about networking. It's called Build Your Network. I didn't know how to network. It was completely brand new to me. But that's why every episode I put out, it was a hundred percent interviews. I didn't do any solo shows for like at least a year um, on my show because I didn't want to like, I, I didn't have the knowledge or information that I wanted to give out to people. So I felt like the best way I could do that is go talk to people who I thought had the information and ask them questions about the information so that they could provide the value in the topic and provide the content to the audience. And then in that process, I learned a lot about the thing that I was trying to do better right? And I got to connect with the people who were well-connected, which also helped proliferate the the pushing forward of, of my network in a uh, like backdoor type of a way. So like, the, I mean, the, it's only good things that can come from it. The, that's the whole point is that people let, uh, you know, I don't know how thing get in their way and they don't see a bunch of other people, they don't see it being taught at the convention and they don't see a bunch of other people doing it. So they're like, well, it can't work that well. And it's like, well, maybe right. like try something new and you'll be surprised what the results are going to be. You know, like even sure. if you, even if you just interviewed people that are likely to buy houses, you know, like you're not even focused on the referral partners. You're just like, Hey, these people are likely to purchase a home or like you're, you're interviewing, um, you know, local business owners in your area that have uh, the the net worth that uh, is ideal for the type of clientele that you're looking to work with. And then if you're top of mind for them, when they're looking to get a house and you're the first call they make, now all of a sudden you have a referral to give to the real estate agent that you want to work with. And like, what better way to open the door with a realtor instead of coming to them and being like, Hey, you want to send me people? You're coming to them and being like, Hey, I got two buyers right now that are actually looking for an area, looking for a, a home um, in your area. I was wondering if I could make a, a, an introduction to them. You know, my name's Travis, by the way, I'm, a, I'm an LO out here, you know, whatever, whatever. I have a podcast. We'll have to bring you on sometime. Like it's just like the relationship starts with value. So the figure out a way to build the relationship and add value to the people that you want to be able to be doing business with. Yeah, I love that. And I just even thought like you could even interview past clients that list, you know, how many people you close every month. Hey, you know totally. what? Can you can you jump on a podcast? Just talk about your journey, you know, what your what your fears were, things like that. And you can actually use that's something that we use sometimes with testimonials. It's like objection handlers, you know. What is what is the most common objections that your that your demographic uh, you know, the people that you work with have? 
Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, well, the process is going to be hard. Oh, well, talk about how, you know, talk about how this journey, um, this journey was for you. Was it hard? Did we make it difficult for you? What, you know, was there any confusion? And you can kind of walk through that kind of stuff. Hey, were you skeptical of this process? Do you think you're going to qualify? And you start to address sometimes those objections. You can use that as content too. When someone's like, oh, well, you know, I'm not ready. I don't think I want to ready to move forward right now. Boom. Oh, did you check out this podcast, uh, you know, that I did with this other 100%. former client that, boom, you know, that, that right there. I mean, I'm, dude, I'm automate the responses. Yeah. Like that's just another way to free up your time even so that you can focus. Like you, you, everybody has what their, what everybody knows what their IPAs are, not the beer, the income producing activities, right? Like what, what, what are the things that you do that nobody else can do that drive the the highest amount of commissions or revenue for you or for your business. And, uh, and a lot of times spending an hour and a half on a phone call, trying to explain a concept, um, about that person's loan might not be a great use of your time. If you just did it one time with somebody else, and then you could be like, Oh yeah, I actually recorded an episode of my podcast about that. Um, here's the link, go listen to it and then shoot me a text when you're done. So we can chat about it. If you have any further questions, you know, and then like now, instead of taking an hour to talk to that person on the phone about this issue, you send them a podcast interview and you do another hour of prospecting and you close another deal or two. Like it's just content, content would be, um, the perfect addition to any sort of loan officer, real estate agent, uh, marketing arsenal. And this is, this has been a fire episode, but you know, we're kind of, kind of getting to the end here. So to, to wrap up, I, I typically like to kind of go with one tactic. You, I feel like we've done, gone through a lot of tactics, but what is one thing that you would go out there today? And like, if you were a loan officer, if you were to start over again and you're a loan officer, what would you do today to go out and get more business? Uh, be like, well, I mean, I, I, I told you exactly what I would do earlier, which is right. Yeah. That's what's hard. Stuff. But yeah. I, I would say, I would say the other side of that would be go get booked on other people's shows that have the audience that you want. Yeah. Um, like that, that would be something that would be, that would be, that would be something that I would, that I would start doing or find more ways to, um, boost or different, boost your credibility or, or differentiate yourself. So like, so I've interviewed, you know, said at the beginning, I interviewed Shaq on my show, interviewed Rob Deerdeck on my show, people like that. When, when you're able to associate yourself or your brand with the, with those types of people, people are more likely to trust you in your job. So you don't have to get those yep, people yep. to endorse what you're doing. They don't have to be like, Oh yeah, Luke's my favorite, you know, loan officer I've ever worked with. You don't have to do that. Right. It's just like, if you, if you can set aside a budget every year and, 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 and use that to pay like speaking fees to get people on a show where you're rubbing shoulders with them, how much more likely likely is your ideal client to trust you or your ideal partner to trust you, right? Like if an, if an agent's looking at working with two different people and one of them has a podcast that's interviewed people that that realtor knows, likes, and trusts already, how much more likely is that person to work with that loan officer? Man, I love Much, that. much, 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 much more likely. So go associate with more people, build your brand credibility, um, get booked on other shows um, for lead flow and content strategies and connections. And uh, man, I mean, there's so, there's so much there. There's so much there. And if you, if you do it and you do it for like consistently for a year and you get zero results, then you can get mad at me. But until, until you've put in a year's worth of consistent work and effort into doing all the things that we talked about, like, I, I don't think, I don't think that there's a way that you could convince me that that wouldn't work. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, especially like what you said, I mean, I think getting booked on other shows is probably the, the quickest path to doing that without having to, you know, produce yourself. Obviously I think you know, oh. we've already gone through it. That's why I was like harder. Cause you've already kind of gone through a lot of the tactics of like, you know, what you, what you would do, but I, I do think that's, that's great. And I actually meant to talk about the association, uh, before, right. Being associated with people that, that are, you know, it elevates your expertise, it elevates your brand as well. Right. I mean, you talked about it. 
it. Um, and we talk about this all the time. I mean, there's even a book uh, called The Conversion Code that talks about converting leads, you know, just internet leads, right? And the guy talks about how he used to work for Quicken. And one of the things he used to do was say, oh yeah, the owner of our company owns, I don't know what company, what NFL or whatever football team or basketball team, whatever team he owns, I don't know, whatever. They own some sort of a professional team, but that was a way to sort of build trust yep. in a way that's like not, there's, there's no real correlation other than, okay, this is a person I've heard of great, cool. And now I trust you a little bit more because of that. And so that is a powerful concept um, to leverage, right? And again, I mean, two, two things to leverage. One, powerful people are more likely to get if you do have a platform that they can they can spread their message. And two, because they're they're more willing to get on your platform, it gives you more credibility. So there's there's no way you can't win uh, by exactly. doing that, man. So uh, just as we're kind of wrapping up, man, where is, if someone wanted to check out your stuff online, uh, where is the best place for them to check out some of your content or, you know, to, 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 to get in touch with you, man? Yeah. Travischapel.com is kind of the hub. That's kind of where everything is. Uh, C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L, Travischapel.com. Uh, you can go over there and be taken basically to all my socials to Guestio and everything else we got going on. If you just want to be interested, if you're just interested in Guestio, you want to go book some guests or you want to go get yourself booked on shows, uh, that's just over at Guestio.com, Guestio.com. And then uh, we do have a back-end concierge service for those of you that are busy. Like if you're a top performer, you're already producing a seven-figure income or something like that, and you just would rather have my team go get you booked on shows and help you with your content and stuff, um, then uh, we have that higher ticket available. We actually do work with a couple loan officers in that. Um, and so you can just email me, Travis at guestio.com if that's something that you might be interested in. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, Travis, man. I think this was uh, probably one of my favorite shows, man, because I think this is a little different than um, what most people are thinking about in this market, right? We've brought on a lot of different people and a lot of different things, but I think podcasting is probably one of the least leveraged uh, platforms out there. Because again, I think there is a, a little bit higher barrier to entry, but not really. Um, you know, It seems like there is, but really it's right. not uh, anything crazy. As long as you can talk for, you know, anywhere from 10 minutes to 30 to 40 to 50 minutes, like you're going to be okay. Um, you know, and then you're totally. probably going to suck at first, but uh, you know, it, it is what it is. So for anybody who's listening, go out there, start a podcast, start, just get yourself out there. And, and again, I think that's the big, the best way you can do uh, relationships at scale is have more conversations. And again, I mean, what did you say, Travis, uh, 250 people, three, four people a week, uh, something crazy. You're not having to do 10 episodes a day or anything, three, four people a week, you're yep. going to build you know, 250 yeah. relationships. So thank you so much for listening. Yep. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Just batch them up, do it in an afternoon, three, four interviews, knock them out one after the other. You look at that over the course of a year, man, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people, man. So thank you so much for everybody for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. The Loans On Demand podcast.